0: Lady, sure, I'm thankful for the light of Jesus Christ. It's a blessing, isn't it? And so thankful, y'all did a great job singing. Uh, Brother Z, Miss Rachel, Miss Nicole, Brother Ben actually joined Patch. I don't know if you noticed that. He uh, he looked really good in that sash. You wore that in a very masculine way. It's a good job, Brother Ben. And uh, I love Brother Ben. I love seeing you get involved like that. That's a blessing and. I'm um, just very thankful for that. Let's open our Bibles. Don't stand yet. We'll, we'll get there in a few minutes. You can find your place in Judges chapter 2 um, is where we're going to be, uh, Judges chapter 2. If, if you want to, you could find 2 Samuel 11 and Genesis 39. You could mark those places if you want to. Second Samuel eleven and Genesis thirty nine, and we'll be visiting those places. On page two of my notes, I'm not exactly sure what time that is. <laughs> so, great job, Pee Wee. And i i was I was loving the uh, the sign language going on. O b e y. And I, I mean, some of the kids were sitting there doing like this. Like, and like Brother Vi, was, I was waiting for one of the a finger to go in the nose or something. I'm like, and I love, then you have other kids that are just there. And then you have other kids that are there, and they're leaning around. You know, like, I'm not sure the camera's seeing me like they need to. Um. Uh, of other kids, you th- it's like they just found something in their pocket. It's like, what? what? Man, I forgot I had this home. <laughs> it was so good. Just all kinds of things going on. So, and uh, man, it's so amazing how how much of an effect the truth can have on them at an early age, if we'll allow it to. So I said, said thank you, you know, the Thomases to the Matas and everybody that helps in all of this. But Uh, The people that I appreciate as much, if not the most, are the parents, and so thank you for letting them be involved in this way. And then you ought to be thankful that you don't have to teach them all this. You actually should be thankful for that, and so uh, that's a blessing. Um, This Tuesday is our annual Easter uh, observation of the Lord's Supper and just, just to remind our church family that participates in that, this doesn't replace our Wednesday night service, and this is completely different than any other service that we do. And so when we assemble on Tuesday night, um, we, we do not talk and, and we ask, and I'll send out a reminder email about this. We don't come in and say hi to anybody. We ask that you sit together with your family. We actually have men that will be waiting at the door and they'll seat you. And uh, the lights are different, and and we try to have just a very somber, undistracted tone. And and when we observe the Lord's Supper around Christmas time, it's a little more celebratory, and that's on purpose. But when we observe it before before Easter, we want to remember the weight that. Jesus had to experience in order that we could be saved and and I believe it's right to celebrate What Jesus did for us, but I think it's also appropriate to remember as much as we can The heaviness of the price that he paid and, and so you say this this really seems different and it is different You know, i'm going to ask you to come in and to leave without saying hello to anybody And and you may be thinking well, what if I make eye t- eye contact? Then just nod and move on. I mean, we actually can do this. And it and it's helpful just to keep the focus on Christ and, and you say, Well, that that's that's kind of weird. Yeah, but Jesus deserves one service where we don't focus on literally anything but him in that service. And and I'm thankful for these moments. And these are the kind of moments that are typical of our church. And so that is that is what we do on that night. And then And and feel free, I know if we have guests that have been coming for a while, you may have questions about this, what it means and what it doesn't mean. Um, We we practice, our belief about the Lord's Supper is that it's safest uh, for church members and people that are a part of this local family. And we don't fight about that. We don't monitor people at the door. In fact, anybody can come that wants to. Ultimately, it's going to be between... The individual and the Lord, because every one of us must give an account of himself to God, right? And so, but we, but if you want to know what I think, I think it's safest, not that, not that I can point to any clear scripture that the Bible says, but the context of it being given was within the setting of a local church, and so that's how we practice it. And if people ask, that's what I tell them, and then leave it up to you to do what you think is best, and you say, well, there are other churches that do it differently, I have no qualm with anybody else i'm not a member of any other church i'm a member of west valley and since i'm the pastor i got to try to do with a clear conscience what i believe is best so don't hesitate to ask me about that ask me about what it means i've had some very good conversations with many different people and so you feel free to talk to me about that And, and again be looking for that email speaking of the email for those that have been coming for a while if you would like to get on the email list, I just need you to communicate with Miss Joanna. Uh Thomas, if you don't know who that is, is she back in here or is she not? No, she's not. Okay, yeah. So um, but you can you can just communicate with one of the staff that you see up here on the platform. Just make sure we have your email and we just send out regular emails to try to communicate certain things to and any anybody that wants to be can be on that list. All right. How many of you have invited someone to church for Easter? I mean, at least tried to anyway, yeah. Man, let's be praying for a great day on uh, this Sunday. And, and can I encourage you, church family, with this? Um, be, be ready to greet people. Look, you already, I, I, I feel like we do a good job of this. Not a perfect job, but we try to do a good job of this. When you see someone that you don't recognize, do not stare at them. Walk up to them and say hello. Hi, I don't know you. But I'm glad you're here, and, and, and let's just be ready to minister, and we're going to have the Lord-willing opportunity to minister to guests. We've passed out several hundred, if not thousands, of invitations already, and just excited to see what God, God does, and so be praying for that. And, and I forgot to mention this, so I'm going back to the Lord's Supper. I, I do this, I ask, excuse me, I ask our church family, they, anyone that's going to participate in the Lord's Supper to do this, to do this. In one way or another on Tuesday, if you would consider spending some time fasting and praying, even before that service begins, just to make sure that we have a right heart before God and for God to make the most of it in our hearts. And, and it really can be a special time. But try to set aside some time where maybe you give up a lunch period and forego eating lunch just to go have some time of prayer in your car or in a workspace where you can have some privacy. But let's just do our best to make sure our focus is upon Jesus Christ. All right, enough of that. Judges chapter 2. Let's stand, please, uh, to honor God's word as we read it. Judges chapter 2, verse number 16. For our guests, we're working our way through the book of Judges. I'm going to retell a story that I told last week. It's still funny today, so I'm going to use it again. (laughs) Um, But Judges chapter 2, verse 16, the the series title is... Out of the book of Judges is called cycles of defeat. Verse 16. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. Verse 17. And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying the commandments of the Lord. But they did not so. And when the Lord raised them up, judges, then the Lord was with the judge and delivered them out of the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For it repented the Lord because of their groanings by reason of them that oppressed them and vexed them. And it came to pass when the judge was dead that they returned and corrupted themselves more than their fathers in following other gods to serve them. And to bow down unto them, they ceased not from their own doings, nor from their stubborn way. Do you see the connection between the presence of a judge in obedience and in the absence of a judge in rebellion? You see that? okay? Verse 1 of chapter 3. Now these are the nations which the Lord left to prove Israel by them, even as many of Israel as had not known all the wars of Canaan. "...only that the generations of the children of Israel might know to teach them war, at the least such as before knew nothing thereof, namely five lords of the Philistines and all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites that dwelt in Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon unto the entering in of Hamath. And they were to prove Israel by them, to know whether they would hearken unto the commandments of the Lord which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses." And the children of Israel dwelt among the Canaanites, Hittites, and Amorites, and Perizzites, and Hivites, and Jebusites. And they took their daughters to be their wives and gave their daughters to their sons and served other gods. I'm not dealing with this tonight. Don't be surprised if I do deal with it later. But there is a generational effect on not having a spiritual standard for who you let your children date and marry. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and forgot the Lord their God, and served Balaam and the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel, and he sold them into the hand of Chushan Rishathim, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Chushan Rishathim eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, Caleb's younger brother. This would be Caleb's nephew. And the spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel and went out to war. Notice this, and the Lord delivered Chushan, Chushanrishathaim, king of Mesopotamia, into his hand, and his hand prevailed against Chushanrish Atheum, and the land had rest 40 years. Man, 40, 40 years of God's blessing. Right. Rest. And Othniel, the son of Canaz, died. Verse 12, and the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. So last week we asked the question, why does this keep happening? Tonight we're going to ask the same question. Again, dealing with this cyclical pattern of you rebel, you are oppressed, you repent, you are delivered and then you keep repeating it. Why does this keep happening? This is really creative. You ready, brother Patrick? Why does this keep happening? Part 2. Father, we sure are glad that we can be here tonight. Thank you for the patch and the pee we got. It does my heart so much good to see um, family members that are here and I know some of them to be grandparents and God I'm thankful that for families that are raising their children to serve God and to be aware of him and even from a young age to let the truth of Jesus affect how we live our lives so thank you for the families in this room and and Lord, even today, it did my heart so many good. I, I was able to see some different families, just briefly, able to spot them walking up, and seeing a dad and a mom with children in tow coming to church together. God, it's just so encouraging, and I, I thank you, I thank you for that. And God, I pray that tonight, especially for our parents here even for the grandparents where it would be necessary, God, for our young people here, for our single adults, Lord, that we would understand this lesson that we're trying to talk about and communicate tonight. God, we've got to get this. And I don't, I don't want, it It makes me so concerned that we could raise our kids in, a, in programs in a church like this and then they not be serious about serving God down the road. And so help us to get the truth tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. So last week I told you the story about Jaden and I a few weeks ago. We were out We were out on our way to uh, running an errand. I don't remember where we were going, but we were running an errand. And uh, Jay, we stopped at a stop sign. And, and this is just the reality, and, and I'm not trying to offend anyone. And if you're offended... I'm sorry but I'm not sorry this is just the truth. There are people in the world that are not good drivers. And they're just not. And I know that's none of you, but there are such people in the world. And we pulled up to this, we pulled up behind this person at a stop sign and it wasn't a four-way stop, it was a two-way stop. Cross traffic did not stop, but it was like the red sea had opened and this individual wasn't going. And and I didn't I didn't yell I didn't call fire down on heaven. I I just I, I simply in a very calm way actually I just expressed you and I think I said this you in real life are a bad driver. I mean the, the point of driving is to actually go somewhere and you can't sit at a stop sign blocking traffic, especially when I'm in that traffic trying to go somewhere. I got I got stuff to do. Your business may not be important, but I'm trying to do something here and. And so we turn out, and we ended up going. I mean, I pulled up right behind them and was able to go immediately, and, and I think I came to a complete stop. I hope I did in hindsight. Anyway, the way was clear. I get behind them, and, and I, you know, I'm trying to be sensitive to the Lord, and I'm like, I, I say to Jaden, Jaden, I shouldn't have said that. I, I just, that the fact that they didn't go when they could have gone doesn't make them a, a bad driver. They're not necessarily a bad driver because they had that moment. I've had my moments, blah, blah, blah. Well, we were stopping at a gas station, and they happened to pull into that same gas station right in front of us. And as they were pulling in, someone was pulling out, and they swerved around this person way too far unnecessarily, almost clipped another vehicle. Then swinging back around, they ran onto the sidewalk of the gas station, and then they just blocked three handicapped parking spots and just stopped right there. And Jaden just smiles and looks at me and goes, they're really a bad driver. <laughs> like, yeah. really are. And so I, I walked by them into the gas station and I did awkwardly stare at them as I walked by. Because I'm I'm wanting to know what, what produces <laughs> this. And I don't I didn't know what I was gonna learn. Like I just I, I feel like. You ever feel like you can look at someone and say, oh, that makes sense now? You ever feel like that? Look, I know I'm the only one who's that judgmental. <laughs> but but it's like you see someone swerving all over the road, and then they get out of the car, and you're like, I don't even need to talk to you. It makes perfect sense now. Praise the Lord. Anyway, it was all, It was. Uh, I mean, it's all, it's all good. Um, if I said which gas station and which location, that would be bad because then they might know I'm talking about them, but they don't. And so that's okay. But I... But I wonder, you know, I wonder what, what produces that. What, what causes this inconsistency and this distractedness and this fluctuation and this literally endangering of your life? And look, I, I understand we can be too petulant and too critical and too impatient with driving, but careless driving does carry with it heavy implications. Uh, now, we all just need to say we all thank God and have benefited from his mercy in our lives. Including me, okay? But I, I look at that and I say, what, what causes that cycle? And is there there's something that can be done to help correct it? You know, you know what, what's far more consequential than a person driving, how they process a stop sign, and how they drive through a, a gas station? What's far more consequential is why the children of God, those people who name the name of Jesus Christ, I'm not talking about the lost I'm not talking about people that, that maybe they, they, they attend a church service every once in a while, but they have no real relationship with God or, or express commitment to God. I'm talking about the saved children of God who have verbally expressed a desire to follow him and to live for him and to walk with him. Why is it that we can find ourselves in this cycle of fluctuation where one minute we are moving in the direction that we ought to go, but then in different seasons of our lives we can be all over the place and we're not just endangering ourselves, and please get this brothers and sisters, when your life is not being lived consistently to follow Jesus Christ, it's not just you that has to pay the price, you're endangering the lives of others. You're even endangering the lives of others who aren't even in the same car with you. Look, I'm not trying to be all dramatic and weird up here, but I could tell you personal stories of people who got killed minding their own business on their way to church because of some reprobate that was committing a crime and ran into them. You say, well, God knows. Yeah, God knows. I agree with that. But there are bad things that happened that God didn't necessarily want to happen, but he can still work through them. And there's hard stuff that happens when people are careless and selfish, And as children of God, we can name the name name of Christ and we can say that we want to follow him. But then we can behave ourselves in in very selfish and self-centered ways. And we can reject the truth of Jesus Christ and get it, it. You saying, I'm following Jesus, isn't necessarily an indication that you're following Jesus. It's like, it's like everyone in this room insisting, I'm a good driver. Well, that doesn't actually mean you're a good driver. No, I love the Lord. Okay, great. I'm not, I'm not going to criticize that, but that doesn't actually mean that you love the Lord and that you're faithful to him. Your life and the fruit of your life bears out the level of your commitment to Jesus Christ. And if we're honest, we can find ourselves in these cycles. And you can say, look, Pastor, don't you dare accuse anybody in here of bowing down to an idol. I'm not accusing of anybody having a statue of Baal. Or of Ashtaroth and and bowing down or offering your children. But we do make concessions in our life. And we do harden our hearts. And we do resist the authority and the work of the word of God and the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And you may not be guilty of offering a sacrifice to an idol. But there are times when the flesh has control of us. And we might as well have been committing spiritual idolatry. Because we said no to the authority of Jesus Christ. And we said yes to me having my own way. We made, this was the point last week. Hating hard consequences is not the same as having healthy convictions. Hating hard consequences. Man, I, 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 I don't want to experience that. That's good. But having convictions based on truth is different than hating hard consequences. And we tried to explain all of that. I want to deal with the convictions again. Having the right convictions is not the same as being motivated by having the right people around you. I'm I'm giving you the thought, I'll say it again, having the right convictions in you is not the same as having the right people around you. Let me ask you a question. How much of what you are doing right now is because of people that are around you versus the truth that is in you? I want, I want some young people with their eyeballs on me right now. If you were old enough to stand up here and patch, you're old enough to get this point. I don't care if you're 8, 9, 10, you can get this. To the teenagers over here, guys, I want to ask you to make sure your brains are in the service right now. And I'm not trying to be silly. I wanna, I'm asking you to be here right now. Young ladies, I'm asking you to get plugged in. To the singles in here, to the parents in here, I'm asking you to get locked in. How much of what you do right now is because you know that your parents are watching versus because of truth that's in your heart? To the husbands, I want to ask you, how much of what you're doing right now is because you know your wife might see? Or wives because you know your husband might hear? Or because you know a pastor or a spiritual leader or a Sunday school teacher or or a trustee or a staff member or someone that's really committed? How much of what you're doing right now is based on people that are around you? As opposed to the truth that is in you. We see the pattern. They rebelled and served first false gods. Then they were punished. And look at verse in chapter 3. Look at verse number 8. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. And he sold them into the hand of Chushan Rishithaim. Okay, answer the question. Who, who put them in a place of bondage? The Lord, God did. Look at verse number eight again. And the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them. I understand this isn't the God uh, that is culturally that is culturally pleasing to us, and that satisfies our overly emotional palates. But you need to understand this, and we've tried to make this point. In the Old Testament, this is such a shallow, uneducated, biblically illiterate argument. There are people that say, well, there's no grace in the Old Testament. No, no there is grace and mercy all over the Old Testament, if you're willing to see it. But then in the New Testament as well, this idea that God's not mad at sin. No, God hates sin. And God hates sin in the lives of the people who claim to know him and love him and want to follow him. God does hate that sin. And when we sin, brothers and sisters, I'm not saying there can't be grace and mercy, but there are consequences to it. And the Lord brought, the Lord caused, the Lord produced consequences in their life. Well, after a time, they repent. They cried out to God. Be merciful to us. In verse 9, when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer god has mercy no do you see the mercy it doesn't say mercy well that's what mercy is you know what he could have said you deserve this no no thank you brother justin but that's what he could have said everybody could be saying amen to that god could it see we we've got this entitled view as children of god that we deserve his grace No, 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 no. You don't deserve his grace, and you don't deserve his mercy. We can be excited about it. We can rejoice in it. But we don't need to be walking around with arrogance as though I deserve the goodness of God. No, not me. Not my family. You don't have to be honest about that. I'm not talking about walking around like you're in the dumps all the time, like the great philosopher Eeyore. Oh, it's probably going to rain again. That's not what I'm talking about. You need to lift up your head and rejoice in the new mercies of God every day. But there's a difference in rejoicing in his mercy and walking around like you deserve his mercy. No, we we don't deserve it. It was mercy. It was his goodness. It was his grace. And so he raises up Othniel. And Othniel is committed to the Lord and he's used by God. And we don't, we don't know details about it other than Othniel was used by God to deliver them from the oppression of Chushan Rishathaim, And they were delivered and they had rest for 40 years. I have this thing I do with my kids. You should try this sometime. It's fun. When they, have your kids ever had a rough spell? And it's like they have eighty-five invitations in one day. Some of y'all don't know what an invitation is. It involves weeping. <laughs> Come to Jesus moments. I surrender all. I surrender all. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm getting too distracted. We have these moments, and they just—they just had a rough day. How many of your kids have had multiple invitations in one day? Think, yeah, yeah. Some of you are being honest. Yeah, it happens. And and then they're and then later or the next day they're good. And it, and I want to affirm that. And so I'll just I'll do something nice to reward it, and I'll say, hey, you remember yesterday? Like, yeah. Isn't this so much better? Like, yeah. You know, you could have this more. It's not not us that are deciding, we want you to have both. In fact, we would rather do this. I mean, we're happy to have invitations, but this is better. But you got to do differently. You would think the children of Israel at, at, at decade four would go, you know what? This rest has been really good. And it seems like God warned us about what was going to happen if we did this. And it seems like God was merciful and he sent Othniel. And man, we've been delivered. It it seems like we just ought to stay on this path. But the moment Othniel dies, look at verse 12. And the children of Israel did evil say the word again in the sight of the Lord. You know what the problem was? They were motivated more by the people that were around them than they were the convictions of truth that were in them. Now look, let me just be honest with you for a second. I like this. I like this. It, it is a good thing to have people who are helpers to your faith. No, it's a good thing to have people that are helpers to your faith. That provides some external encouragement correction accountability motivation no that's a that's a good thing let me just tell you i I mean and you you need to thank god for this if if and i understand it's a big if and it can change at any moment but if you have a pastor who's going to do his best to preach the word of god to you without apology that's something to be thankful for no, constantly trying to improve, recognize my weaknesses and my flaws, but you need to be thankful that God put someone in your life to declare the truth of God for this season, in this period of your life, into your life, and just thank him for it, like an Othniel would be a blessing. God, thank you for, thank you for Caleb, and thank you for Joshua, but thank you now that we have Othniel, and thank you for, man, thank you for Jack Cook, and thank you for David Hetzer, but thank you for bringing Jonathan Pyle along, and, and whenever you take him to heaven, I know you're going to bring someone else along. God, thank you for putting the helpers of our faith and our joy in our life. Be thankful for that. Hey, young people, these kids, are, you need to be thankful for men and women like Brother Z and Miss Rachel. Teens, you need to be thankful for people like the Feavis and like the Wicklands. You got Brother Robbie and Miss Marcella in that class every Sunday, and you need to be thankful that God has put people in your life that want to be a helper to your faith. Singles, you need to be thankful in the Connect class for people like Date Nate and Date Ugh. Nate and Danielle and Fiavi and Rothna and their willingness to be flexible and to serve wherever and to be invested in that into the royal heirs. You need to be thankful for people like Don and Jerry Jessup. And in this sanctuary class, I know Miss Jessica is thankful, but everybody else needs to be thankful for Brother Adam and Miss Rebecca. And wherever. Man, you, you, you adults need to be thankful for the Sunday school teachers like the Thomases or the Mitchells filling in for them today, like Miss Megan and Miss Holly or, or Miss Nicole. You just keep talking, just whoever is back there serving in any capacity. Be, be thankful for those helpers. And be thankful for friends that will challenge you and tell you when you're being spiritually dumb. I just don't like how that sounds. Well, sometimes you just need to hear it. And be thankful for that. Be thankful for a spouse that's willing to say, hey, sweetheart or babe, I really think your attitude's off here. Man, be, be thankful that somebody, if you have somebody that will walk up to you and say, hey, you really seem to be drifting a little bit. Your attitude doesn't seem right, and this seems to be off. You need to be thankful that God has put people in your life that will correct that, that will challenge that. You need to be thankful that people will come along in your life and put their arm around you and say, I know you're going through a hard time, I know this hurts, but it's okay, don't give up. Be thankful for the encouragers and the confronters and the helpers and the ministers of joy and the faith of Jesus Christ in your life that help you in the journey. Be thankful for that. But you got to get this. No human can be the driving force of your faith. We can become dependent on a person. And when we become dependent on people other than Jesus Christ and His truth, we are not going to be consistent. Let me give you an example. I'm, I'm being transparent here. If this weirds you out, I'm sorry. I'm trying to help you. I'm going to be transparent about me. I would appreciate some agreements, but if you want to sit there and be weird, sit there and be weird. It is a daily struggle for a male, a man, to keep his thoughts pure. You say, well, what is he saying? Exactly what I just said. Say well, what does that mean? It means exactly what I just said. It's a daily battle. Paul said this: I have to battle my flesh every day. Now I understand I'm not quoting you exactly, but he said I have to bring my I have to bring my body under subjection, lest after I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Okay, so you can act like you don't have those struggles. I have to be aware of that every single waking moment. Because this is what you know about temptation and foolishness and sin. It can come out of nowhere. You, you can have woken up and sought God and spent time with God and had a good day and kissed your wife and hugged your children and prayed with your family. And out of nowhere, you're fighting some kind of crazy battle with temptation just like that. You know that's true. Yeah. So I have to fight that every day. Can I... Can I tell you some things that help me? I'm not talking about you, I'm talking about me. Talking about me. I love my wife. She's good to me, she's a help. And I imagine having to tell my wife that I failed. You know what, I love, I love this. This happens before every service, just about. My son Jason, he comes in, to the, he just comes in, whether I tell him to or not, like he owns the place or something, and he just comes in the office and he says, Dad, I love you. Think, think about my kids. Think about my kids. Think about my church family. Know the weight of, lest after I have preached to others, I myself should be... Look, I love you. I know, I know it's easy to say. I hope it bears itself out over time. I'm not just trying to have an office here. I love you. I think about what it would be like to let you down. Friends... Think about my parents. Think about having to call my wife's parents. Are you feeling the heaviness of this yet? I, I feel that. Can I just be honest with you, though? It's not enough. Because there are moments when this flesh is so wicked And relationships and busyness can be so strained that even all of the right people around you is not going to be enough. I hope this is making sense. But if your faith is dependent on having the right people around you, eventually you're not going to be faithful to it. I don't care how good your spouse is, I don't care how good your pastor is, I don't care how good your friends are, I don't care how much you're involved in church. If you are driven by and depending on the people around you more than the conviction of Jesus Christ within you, you are going to falter at some point. No, 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 no. I didn't say you might. I said you will. Now the degree to which you do it, that is up in the air. But you are going to falter. And maybe by the grace of God it can be caught and it can be stopped before it completely goes way too far. And even in those cases, listen, aren't you thankful? Don't hear what I'm not saying. Aren't you thankful that even when we completely mess things up, there's still mercy with God? But if we can avoid it or if we can recover from the failure and actually develop the right kind of motivation for living... Wouldn't that be better? You say, can you prove this from Scripture? Thank you for asking. Besides the text that we just read. Look at at Genesis. Genesis 39. Joseph is in slavery in verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. Verse 3, and his master saw that the Lord was with him. Look in verse 7. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, behold, my master wotteth not what is with me in the house. And he hath committed all that he hath to my hand. There is none greater in this house than I. Neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee because thou art his wife. How then? Can I do this great wickedness and sin against, say the next word, God. Joseph didn't have anybody in that house. He was a slave, and the only reason his master, his master liked him or tolerated him was because of how profitable he was to his bank accounts, to his resources, to his abundance. And yet, even in that, Joseph recognized, though I have no one around me, the Lord is still with me. And because my faith and my convictions are not based on who's watching me at the moment, they are based on the God that is in me and the God that is with me, my behavior isn't going to fluctuate because he's always with me. And his truth is unchanging. Now look at 2 Samuel 11. You already know where this is going. Man after God's own heart. You realize that you can be a man or a woman after God's own heart, but then get away from the God that you loved or that you love? Verse 1, and it came to pass after the year was expired at the time when kings go forth to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the children of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David tarried still at Jerusalem, and it came to pass in an evening tide that David rose, arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. And from the roof he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon, and David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite, who David knew was at battle? And David sent messengers and took her, and she came in unto him, and he lay with her, for she was purified from her cleanness. And she returned into her house, and the woman conceived and sent and told David and said, I I am with child. So then David goes through all of this process of trying to cover the sin, results in Uriah dying. Look at the end of verse number 27. But the thing that David had done displeased who? The Lord. You know what the difference between Joseph in Potiphar's house and David on his rooftop is? In that moment, not every moment of his life, but in that moment, David was driven more by the people around him than the truth of God in him. Joseph was driven by the truth of Jesus Christ, of God, the conviction in the truth of God in him. One king was surrounded by all kinds of good people. One man was a forgotten slave with no friends in the house. And yet the one who did right was the lonely one. And the one who did wrong was the one with all the power. Why? Because at some point your faith gets off of the fact that you have to be driven by truth and conviction in you, not people around you. Can I encourage you with this? Young people, please get it. There will come a time, if there hasn't already, when you have the opportunity to obey or disobey your parents And they're not going to be watching. For those of you that are allowed to have phones, by the way, if your children have phones, you need to know what's on those phones. You let your children have technology. They need to be accountable to you with that technology. But young people, even with the most observant parent, a child that wants to, they can do evil with it. Husbands, your wife's not always going to be paying attention like she does sometimes. Wife, your husband's not always going to be paying attention. You're not always going to have your friends around here. Who in here has friends that you would say, help me walk with God? Raise your hand. You say, I have friends that help me walk with God. You're going to be in situations sometimes where those friends aren't accessible in the moment that you need them. And you're going to have to be driven by something deeper than just the people that are around you. I did not say that having the right people around you doesn't matter. I've preached messages on it, and when the text allows, I'll continue to preach messages on it. But you can't be driven by the rudder of your faith, cannot be the people that are around you. It must be the truth of God in you. People can fluctuate. I wish there was a biblical example of that. Thank you. Are you ready? Job's wife. No, look, I'm not interested in being hard on Job's wife. She lost a whole lot. No, 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 no. She lost way more than just about any of us have ever lost. And she didn't do anything to deserve it. Her heart was broken. She was hurting, and she had given up on God. And she says to Job, curse God and die. You know what happened in Job's life? The, the one person around him that was immediate there fluctuated. Then his friends come. No, look, they really, listen, they came and sat with him for days. I'm not, I'm not saying that these guys didn't care about him at all. They were just too full of their own assessment that rather than being humble before God. And that didn't really help. So Job is surrounded by fluctuating people that are not speaking truth. you got to get it. There are going to be times when people in your life are going to fluctuate. And if your, if your faith is tied to the fluctuations of other people, they're going to drag you down. And that happens in marriages. That happens with parents with adult children who aren't following God. That happens with young people who, when your parents go through a hard spell, that can happen with church members when another church member is fluctuating in their faith. Rather than, rather than having some strength to help them without getting caught up in it, you get dragged down into the chaos because of what other people are doing because your faith isn't anchored to a conviction of Jesus Christ. It's tied to people. No, one needs to be helped by people, but not tied, tied to that person. I did not ask him if I could tell this story, but it fits here, and so he'll just have to forgive me. This has been like two years ago, and Brother Robbie was doing something over here, and it wasn't glamorous or fun, like many of you, it was just a hard task that needed to be done, and he did it. And I said, "What I said, like, thanks, bro, for doing that." Exact quote: "I didn't do this for you." <laughs> <laughs> now look, nobody else is allowed to. We're not starting a pattern there. When I tell you thank you for something, do not respond to me that way. Good night. <laughs> I know you. Like I know that you long-legged, legged loser. Just just trying to be grateful. Say, what's the point? His motivation, no, and this is right. His motivation isn't somebody else watching. This is true for good and bad. If you being involved depends on what you think other people are thinking, it's not going to sustain you. If you being true and pure depends on what you think other people are thinking, it's not going to sustain you. Your, Your motivation must be helped by the right people, but sustained by truth of Jesus that is in you. So what sustains you? I understand there are seasons. I understand there are helps. Let me ask one more question. Have you experienced in your life the consequence of being motivated by people around you more than truth in you? Have you ever experienced that? So this is why it matters to develop the right convictions so that you can avoid unnecessary cycles of painful fluctuation. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Miss Becca will play. Look, it, I'm thankful for seasons where God used people to help me. I'm thankful for that, but that's that's not enough to sustain me. How many? Of you, I'm going to ask a, a couple of questions, and and I'm not setting you up for anything. I just I want you to be honest before God. How many of you would say I've been through some fluctuations, and God used the right people at the right time to help my faith? And I was struggling. I was floundering. And God used the right people to help me. And I just want to give thanks to God for that. Would you raise your hand? Say, Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. I praise the Lord for that. I have been helped in that same way. You. People in this room have helped me that way. But so I'm not, I'm not critical of that. I'm, I'm cautioning. I'm, I'm warning against the dependency upon that. I'm not saying you shouldn't have people that help you. I'm not saying you shouldn't have people that you reach out to. What I'm saying is that you have to develop a level of conviction that is based on truth in you, not people around you. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if there would be any, anyone that would say, I have become too dependent upon the people around me more than I am the truth of God that is in me. I have become too dependent on that, or I have been through a season where I was too dependent on that, and I need God's help to develop the right convictions based on truth, not based on the people that are around me. I need God's help with that. Would you pray? I see. Would you raise your hand? Just be honest before. the. Yeah, I see him. a several. Thank you for your honesty. Last thing, and this is just an encouragement. I don't want anybody to raise their hand. You say, I've I'm in a mess or I have I have I am coming out of a challenging season. I'm dealing with some pretty severe pain in my life right now because of some difficult or bad choices I've made. Can I encourage you when the people of Israel called out to God, he gave mercy and he'll give mercy to you. Stay humble, but please in the process of God using people to help you develop conviction not based on people around you, but based on the truth of God in you. Please take the time as you work through the healing and the reconciliation to develop convictions based on the truth of Jesus, not people around you. Let's all stand together. God, thank you for your people. Please bless the response and bless your people. Lord, help us to be convinced and convicted by the truth of Jesus while we are helped by people around us. In Christ's name, amen. While Brother Nate sings, if God has spoken to your heart, you respond to him.